0: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're listening to the Tour Coach Podcast, giving you insights into golf instruction at the highest level from on the PGA Tour to our learning center at Frederica Golf Club.
1: So here I am on the Tour Coach, once again on the road, me and my dog Chip Shot headed down to the Keys for a holiday weekend and uh, joined by my good friend. Several years back, I tried to hire him (laughs) <laughs> but he was big and famous for me already at that point. He's on the great stuff. Athletic motion golf, obviously teaches tons of great players, and recently just been named as one of Golf Magazine's top 100 teachers, which is extremely well-deserved, Sean Webb. What's up, Sean? Hey, man, Tony. How's it going, buddy? It's going good, going good you're on fire. Lots of good stuff over the last couple years. You've had a, you know, I've been doing the athletic motion golf for a while now, but over the last couple years, it seems like it's really exploded. I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but kind of like mainstream, you know, instead of just people seeing it a little bit here and there, it seems like everybody knows about it. And for one, I think it's a huge service to teachers as well as just folks trying to get better at their game.
2: I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it's like everything else. You do it for, we've been doing it almost six, I think six years now. And you do it for, you know, two, three years, and it doesn't seem like you're getting much traction. But I guess you don't realize how many people are watching it. And then, um, yeah, I guess in the last couple of years, and especially last year during COVID, everybody was home trying to figure out the golf swing, I guess. And um, it just kind of really did explode during that time. So we're having fun with it. We're just going to keep kind of moving forward and keep putting out videos, and people are enjoying them, and um, hopefully they continue to do so.
1: How did you get the idea for athletic motion golf and talk a little bit about, you know, behind that, like, you know, how you formulated this idea and and the research and the things that you come up with?
2: Yeah, so i had been wanting to do something on the Internet for years just because I thought it was uh, kind of a wide open space. There wasn't really anybody doing it what I thought was the right way, which is kind of use all this technology and kind of have a data driven approach. Like, hey, let's look at what all the good players do and try to figure out some of the things that they do that average players can do. You you don't have to be Dustin Johnson to kind of make the the movements that we're talking about. And um, I thought about it for years and years, but, you know, I I was at a conference sitting down, and my business partner now, Mike Granato, was sitting there, and he was wanting to do something similar, and I said, well, maybe we should just try to do it together. Uh, It's always easier. You get a couple guys with the same kind of ideas and passion for something. It's always easier to do. so. We both played sports growing up, and, and I felt like over the years, you know, my swing when I was, you know, when I was growing up was a certain way. I, I was a good athlete and um, a good ball strike. And I think over the years I almost got taught out of it because I think a lot of times, you know, you start working on too many positions in the swing right. and, and the static kind of looking in the mirror all the time trying to figure stuff out. And I had lost that athleticism. So I'm thinking, well, maybe we should do something, try to get people to swing more like an athlete, you know, And it would hopefully resonate with, like, people that played other sports. And uh, that's kind of all started. And um, we just started putting out a a few videos here and there, and it just started growing. The thought of it resonated with people, and, yes, it's been going strong since.
1: I like a lot of the ideas, especially around athletic, what you just talked about. I do a lot of a lot of my instruction I do and I've learned a lot from Colby Touye who's a trainer out on tour and Mm -hmm. he trains a bunch of athletes right like and and the reason so it's similar like it was a big influence on me because I started to see how some of these drills and exercises with bands and different things were so easily transferred to the golf swing you know some of these exercises and I found that people had an easier time applying some of these thoughts to the golf swing, if you put it in terms and you put it in training that is more at like an athletic drill rather than you just hand them a golf club and ask them to go to a spot or to do a move. So I totally get where you're coming from that. And I think, that, I think that's why it has – to me it's a, a big help to recreational golfers if you can make it more athletic uh, because – me, it's in more in terms and in fields and in things that they've probably done and other things in their life coming up.
2: Exactly, you know, we're always asking people in lessons, "Hey, did you play other sports?" And a lot of them say, "Yeah, I played tennis or I played baseball." You know, immediately we try to find a drill that kind of integrates what they already did in the past with other sports. And once you do that, the light bulb kind of goes on. They almost say, "Wow, I didn't even know I was allowed to do that," because it, yeah. they had been, you know, a lot, a lot of times they're taught out of that. Because of all, like like over the years, you know, you've been teaching a long time. You know, there was a time when it wasn't really, you know, position. And then there's a place for positional-based instruction. And I teach that way sometimes, depending on who's standing in front of me. But you tend to get away from the overall idea that the swing is one big flowing motion, right? And when you start piecing it up too much, it removes a lot of the athleticism that they may have had from other sports that could help them with golf. So, Just that thought process, I think, uh, like you said, bringing it to the lesson t, using some of these exercises and and different motion drills, it it really does help the average
1: guy. Well, I think that, you know, like you were talking about position-driven, and we all, I think the beauty, and one of the reasons you're a great teacher is you teach the guy in front of you, and whatever they need is what you're going to give them, right? That's right, uh, exactly right. You know, and I taught yesterday, I taught, you know, in Montgomery, Alabama, and I taught a guy that had been going to a, you know, one of these people that, you know, a, a young guy, which we, I mean, we're not young anymore, but like, no. and I think all of us go through phases as teachers where we get onto something and we teach everybody to do that, right?
2: Yeah. And,
1: and you know, and here was a guy who was, you know, I mean, try, he had his grip strong trying to bow it, everything like that, and the guy had, you know, but he didn't have any pivot, right? And, yep. and he was like, man, this is like, he's got everybody trying to do this. And I was like, well, you know, I think that that's a phase that teachers go through and is they go through where they, you know, they they hook on to something, they try to teach everybody the same thing. And mm-hmm. one thing I love about your teaching is, I mean, the athletic motion golf is only one part of what you do, but you teach a bunch of people in front and you give the person in front of you what you need. And I, to me, that's the mark of what a really good teacher, a great teacher is. We all have preferences. But you got to make the person in front of you better.
2: Exactly. And uh, it's funny you say that. We have people comment on the YouTube stuff a lot or sometimes, hey, you know, that's all great, but only Dustin Johnson can do it. And, um, you know, we try to find the commonalities in these great players that everybody can apply. Like you said, okay, maybe you – if you don't have a good pivot – you're not going to be able to play with that super strong grip and a bow left wrist right. or bow. Right. So let's find something that works for you that fits in these windows, right? As long as what you're doing kind of fits in these functional windows of what, what makes the ball fly straight. We're okay with it. I know you are too, because everybody's yeah. going to swing it a little bit different. Everybody's different sizes, different arm lengths. They can turn different rates and amounts. So let's find what works for the person standing in front of us, gets the ball flying straight and kind of is within certain parameters. And I think that's the way, that, for me, and I'm, I, I, I think you'll probably yeah. agree, that's the best way to go about teaching golf. Not everybody's going to do it exactly the same.
1: So when you talk about, I'm curious about this, when you talk about commonalities, I'm going to pose like this is my, you know, like I've just had this thought. And I don't know, like most stuff that I say, I don't have any scientific backup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, but like I always look at, you know, I'm a big pivot teacher, right? I teach a lot yeah. of pivot. And I've always thought that as you go from like a 20 handicapper to a tour player, that as they keep getting better, the pivot keeps getting better. And to me, the worse the player, generally the worse the pivot is. And I know there's outliers to that, right? I mean, I know there's guys that have, right? But like in general, I found that. And it's always been my kind of theory or hypothesis. Like when I develop a young player, like I like to get them real balanced and then deliver and then develop the pivot and I know that all the research shows us everybody pivots different. Some people get more pressure behind it, some mm-hmm. less. But develop the pivot, which is best for them, early, and then kind of add the other stuff. That's just kind of how I've done things. And I mean, I've made a couple people okay, but you know, yeah. it works, right? So, like, when you look at the commonalities of what good players do, I'm curious, what do you find are, are some commonalities?
2: You know, over the years, I guess we picked a few. We did even did a golf.com Com article last year. I think it was the most read article of the year, but, you know, one of them we like to see is making sure, like, let's just start with like the backswing stuff. Common of yeah. great players. The great players don't overly bend the trail arm at the top. So okay. if you're right-handed, we don't like to see it. Like, let's say 120 degrees would be too bent. We see all the guys that we have in our gear system. We have a lot. We have like 900 million in earnings combined. Around 90 degrees, I think McElroy is at least with like 55. So just off the top of my head, that would be one of the commonalities. Another one would be we like to see a little bit of a shift off the ball the first part of the backswing instead of kind of twisting the hips toward the target. We just don't see it in great players. What kind of stuff are you thinking of?
1: Well, no, I, the trail arm or the right arm of yeah. a, a golfer is was that interesting to me. I never thought about it in terms of that. And, I, again, I'm not saying I haven't had good players that don't do this yeah, or great players. Yeah. No, this and that. There's not exceptions, and that's like to me where the people, everybody gets in a pissing contest. Like, if you go through the annals golf history, you can find an exception to anything me and you'll say, right?
2: Absolutely. I,
1: because they're the best players in the world, and that they're and they're great. But like that's interesting to me because I I like, and this goes back to like your old golf machine days, but like your right arm trying to feel like it's stretching your left going back. A
2: hundred percent. A hundred percent.
1: And I think. I mean, this is just me, like, with good players. Like, you know, if you can get – if I can get them to keep that arm feeling like it's got some structure and stretch going back and the arm a little more in front of them. I'm not a big arms deep behind guy, and I know I've had players that are good that do that. But I'm saying, like, we're talking about, like, if we had a person in front of us, you know, what are things that we see that are common in good ball strikers? And I know that one thing – if you watch old Golf Channel stuff, and you've done stuff on this, you know, when Butch and all his success, I know one of the things he's tried to do is is to get people wide and in front of them, and I think a lot of that is because when people do that, I think, I'm just guessing here, but I also think that when a good player tries to keep it wide and in front of them, they turn more.
2: Absolutely. There's no doubt about it, and I'm I'm just thinking off the top of my head, some pivot-oriented stuff. You know, a lot of what we're seeing lately, we talk about, you know, balance in the swing. Well. Uh, a lot of the great ball strikers we measured are very balanced with their their hip turn. Like, let's say right. they have 40 – let's say, for example, 45 degrees at the top. They're around that 45-degree range at impact. It's a very balanced kind of rotation. And a lot of times when we see amateurs, they try to make this massive hip turn on the backswing. Like, let's say they do 65-70, which we've seen in the 3D system with guys coming in. Well, you've only right. got – you know, 0.2 seconds to hit the ball, and they're trying to get open from there, and they don't have enough time. So right. it just on this pivot idea, it, we see that a lot too, just a balanced kind of rotation back and through, or a little bit more on the lead side, a little more open coming through. But not a lot of good players are massive hip turn going back, and then not much at impact. You just don't see it with good players.
1: So, like you would, yeah, you've got to at least be able to match the hip turn back going through.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. No doubt about it. We've been, we. I think we just did a video on that, and that was kind of an interesting one. Just we call it, I think, just balancing out the the hip turn.
1: So this is a question for me, really. Like you know, so we all a lot of us, we all have these. You know, we all have the. You know, we all have force plates and stuff now, mm-hmm. uh, or most of us, most of us do. And you know, I got one of the first swing catalysts like 14, 15 years ago, because I was at the PTA show, and I taught a lot of pivot, and I thought it would help me understand it more. That's before it had all the 3D stuff. You know, it was probably more like what the balance plate is now. Yeah. But, and it showed, you know, to me it was interesting, because it would show, you could show an average. At that point, I mean, I was teaching some good juniors, but, like, I was teaching a lot of, I mean, I was teaching a lot of jobs. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, the- yeah, yeah. everything, and, right? Could show them where the pivot stopped, right? Like where the motion stopped, and they uh-huh. started backing up. And I thought that was helpful. But like, so, but now with these things it measures lateral movement, you know, how much lateral movement do you see good players have? Tour players have based on your data?
2: Just like uh, like inches forward on the downswing, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think the av- right around the average, would be like four to five inches in at yeah. impact. Like a macro, I think, is like four, four and a half. The high end, I'd be maybe like a Boo Weekly, a little bit higher than that. But right in that that range, I mean, you get the amateurs coming in, and a lot of them think they're not allowed to go forward. So throwing up an image of a tour player and saying, look, this is where you are. You're only one inch forward with the center of your hips at impact. And these guys are between four and five. You know, the light bulb goes on pretty quick. So you definitely have to have some shift over there.
1: Well, I think it depends on how we were all brought up as teachers, too. I mean, I know that, you know, for years, I didn't, you know, I, it wasn't that I didn't want it. I probably realistically, just being honest, didn't understand as much as I do now. And yeah. That you had to have some. But that's also where I think when you explain it in athletic terms, whereas, like, if you're throwing a ball, there's, there's some weight shifting to the front side before you release your body through, right? You know, I think when you start thinking of it in terms of that, it helps. Let's talk about your development as a teacher. Everybody thinks of you as athletic motion golf, but you, you know, you came up just like all of us, like you work. And I think that's why I've always respected you. Like, Everybody knows there's not a ton of the online people that I like very much, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, cause yeah. Because I don't think most of them have ever taught anybody, right? They've just yeah. put a bunch of stuff out there. But you have. And I think that's why I've always gravitated and respected and liked you. And we've always been friends because you, before you went and did online and athletic motion golf, you taught real golfers, real people. And you made long people time. good, right? And I've yeah. always had the idea. I said to Brady Riggs one time, like, if you're going to be a great teacher, I would think you would have made one person really good at one point in your life.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, that right?
2: was no, true. kind of proves in the pudding there. I mean, if you haven't cranked out anybody that's good, I would question that. There's no doubt.
1: How did you come up? Take us through your journey.
2: I'm from Maine, so not real long golf season, but I was like enamored with it. It's <laughs> all I could think about 24-7. So I was a pretty good little junior player. I played in high school, which uh, ended up being a, a, a good player and i got hurt my senior year playing baseball and like a herniated disc so went to college and tried to play but just was always hurt and then um after school i decided you know i got a, a degree in finance didn't really feel like using it so i was still wanting to be around the game and uh, the, the local golf course here in maine gave me the teaching job 20 years ago i guess so i'm 43 now i was i was you know just started they just said, go ahead, teach the junior camp. So whatever it was you wanted to do. So I started there and then um, started teaching in Florida in the winters. I did that for you know 13 years. I'd drive my Honda Civic from Florida to Maine every summer and come up here and teach at, at the country club here in Stonington. And then got a nice break to work for David Toms uh, over in Louisiana. And I worked there for seven years. And then just recently, you know, I was doing the athletic motion golf thing while still holding a job at the David Toms Academy. I was the direct instruction for David. And just recently, January, I think 5th, I packed up and then, you know, AMG took off to the point where it just didn't make sense to do anything else anymore. So I'm full-time athletic motion golf now with Mike in Cartersville, Georgia. And um, right. it allows me to, to kind of do that and work on that uh, even more now. So... Hopefully that thing keeps growing at the clip it's been going, but that's kind of my story. Just kind of tried to learn from everybody over the years, including guys like you. you know took a lot of lessons with a lot of i I always thought it would be cool to just go take lessons with good teachers so i've I've worked on my own game with a lot of good teachers over the years, and you just pick up things here and there.
1: who that's have been lessons. some of your bigger teaching influences who have been some of your people that you know change the way you think about things and, and yeah,
2: God there's been quite a few i think um I spent some time working for Gary Gilchrist for a little while. I thought he was really good. I thought he was a great teacher and a great motivator, getting you know people to believe in themselves. I think that was the biggest thing I learned from him. He was unbelievable at that. And then I spent a lot of time around Sean Foley when I was at Orange County National teaching on my own there in, in Florida. He was gracious. you know. I, was nobody, I mean, I was just kind of um, hanging around him, and he said, hey, man, anytime you want to watch me teach, go ahead. So I'm thankful for that. And then guys like you I've learned a lot from Brian Manzella over the years and I've learned a lot from uh, even now Scott Hamilton I mean yeah, an unbelievable great, teacher yeah. you know in the last couple months you know I've been there for 6 months now I've learned a lot just being around Scott he teaches a lot of great players and the way you know he goes about doing that is just kind of added to my I guess your teaching repertoire you just kind of learn more stuff every day and I- yeah, that's, to me, that's what it's always been about, trying to find the best people and just keep learning from them and watch what they do. You might not even agree with everything they do, but there'll probably be one or two things that you can add to what you're doing and um, make you a better teacher. So I'm still trying to learn. I feel like like you probably are. It's like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. So,
1: You mentioned that you're 43 and you start teaching when you're 23. Here's another. Yeah. This is a great lesson for, like, we get lots of young teachers that... Listen to this podcast, and they you know they'll message me on Instagram or whatever, and you know, and they're because I'm big on mentoring. I think we need to do a better job of helping those coming up behind us. And I think so many teachers are so territorial, and they get in these pissing contests over terminology and stuff, and you know, and uh, but like you've been teaching twenty years, and you just got recognized as one of Golf Magazine's Top Hundred Teachers, and people can argue the validity of those lists, but I think in our business it's still a nice thing to be recognized by your peers. And I think, but it's a great lesson though. Like you've been doing it for 20 years and like, it's a lesson that like when you've been teaching for six, seven, eight years, nine years and you're having success, like it doesn't automatically mean that everybody should think you're the greatest teacher in the world, right? There's still a long way to go. And and I think that, you know, and we got a lot of great young teachers, but man, the road to becoming a really good teacher to me And some of the things that go along with that, I mean, it takes a while.
2: You've just got to teach a ton of lessons. I think that might be the thing a lot of them I notice, like, they just don't get enough reps in. Like, you know, as well as I do, I mean, you just have to teach so many lessons to get really good at your craft. And, And if you have an opportunity to work somewhere where you can teach a lot of lessons. Yes. You know, even if you're not getting paid that much at first, just get tons and tons of reps in with Terrible players, good players, beginners, the more lessons you give, you just start getting, you get good at it, right? If if you have any ability at all, you'll get pretty good at it. And eventually you'll get recognized and, you know, you don't want to go into the business thinking that that's what you need to do. The awards and the accolades, you know, they, they come to you just, from you just got to keep putting your head down every day and working. It's a lot, you know, a lot of work.
1: I, I love that because I had a teacher last year or year before somebody reached out and said they got to teach in a few years. Like, hey, what do I need to do? What do you think I need to do better if I was trying to get on, like, the Golf Magazine, Golf Digest? And I was like, well, first of all, you got to teach. <laughs> yeah, right?
2: I mean, this is a long road.
1: Yeah. Right? And, and like you, my best break was I got, a, I, mean, I got a job teaching. Hank Johnson and Wayne Flint hired me at Sandestin Beach Resort where I had access to just a bunch of resort guests, perfect so like you can just teach a lot of people right mm-hmm. you know and, and and they and you taught every lesson was a different type of person like you'd have a businesswoman who was just learning to play and then you'd have you know some guy who thought he was way better than he was and then you got an engineer you know it's like a mix and you're always you never knew what you were gonna get and you had a you had to figure it out and then the resort guests so you want them to have fun you had, kind of had to learn
2: you know it's funny about that you, you know i that resort teaches you this whole thing on its own because those people aren't there to do an overhaul. They want to go yep. play golf and hit it straight in an hour. So yes. that that's part of it too is like, all right, who's standing in front of me? What do they want out of this lesson? Am I, I'm not doing a complete overhaul here. What's the low hanging fruit that I can give them that they can actually do on the golf course and they're going to rave about it that I helped them shoot their best score. And then, you know, and then you move along and you might end up at a country club with a bunch of good players. And you better figure out quick that, you know, these guys are already pretty good and a lot of these guys have quirky swings. You're not going to do an overhaul on them, but you might need to get a little more technical with them. It's a balancing act, just like you know as well as I do. You have to get really good at morphing yourself to help the person that's standing in front of you and asking enough questions to know exactly what they want.
1: You know, I always tell on these things. I always, I guess the older I get too, I tell more of these stories about things I learned from my mentor. And, you know, yeah. hey, at had a great say. And, though, like what he used to always tell me, I think you'll like this. He used to always tell me that with when, when a new student comes, he would go ahead and answer and fix what the student thought was the problem first. Because then if you did that, they'd buy in and they'd listen to you.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's great. Yeah, right. that, that, is, that is good. There's no
1: doubt. Everything you know at first, like they'll come in and say what they think, but then you start telling them what you think, you know, that, like, it's like you're, you know, and then if it doesn't work right away, I think you lose them, right? Whereas if you can show them that you can fix and understand what they think is wrong. Then they know you know what you're doing, and I think they're more willing to buy into you for the process. Because I think we all know that to get really better over a long period of time, it takes a journey and it takes a process. But, like, I agree with you. I And I think that it's – I think, like, teaching at a resort was great for me because, like, what you said, like, you – like, they're, they're all – they're getting ready to go out and play 18 holes with their buddies and they're taking a lesson. And, I mean, if you screw them up and they're worse, then eh, – not nobody's good.
2: going back and see, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, and it's the same way, like, let's say you're going into a new town, like like I went into Treeport, Louisiana, right? right. I, obviously, I had David Tom's name back in me, which helped, but if you go into that town, which had a lot of good players, and you screw a few of the good players up in the first year, you're out of business. You, year, year three, you're done. So yep. I was fortunate enough to last there about almost eight years, so, you know, but if, you if I would have went in there and gave a bad lesson, a few bad lessons to the wrong players not knowing what I was doing, you are toast. And to go back on what you said about giving people, you know, fixing what they want, this is a kind of an unrelated story, but I need to tell it because it's funny. So I've only, gotten <laughs> one, I've only gotten one bad review in my whole like, – like I spent eight years at David Tom's Academy, right, we had a system where they could go and leave a review. And over those eight years, I got one bad review – and when I was there, I taught and I did a lot of club fitting. It was like, you know, I think that's important yeah. for a teacher. you got to know how to do some club fitting. I mean, it's the tool that the golfers use. So the guy came in for a club fitting and a, not a good golf swing, right? I mean, we're sitting there. I'm, I'm trying to get this guy just to hit a shot on the middle of the face so I could figure out what he needed for clubs. But we're 10, 15 minutes in. He hadn't hit one close to the face. I said, hey, man, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to do you a favor. I'm, I'm going to save you some money today. I'm not going to sell you golf clubs, but I'm going to give you a lesson, okay? And I'm going to have you come back on me, no charge, and we'll do a fitting once you fix just one thing. I mean, he was like 15 degrees negative club path on track. He's straight over the top. The guy, because I didn't give him what he wanted, he went and left
1: me my only bad review I ever had in eight years.
2: <laughs> he roasted today <laughs> on that thing. <laughs>
1: You're doing him a service, but give him what he want.
2: you yeah, I, I, need to give people what they want. I, t- I told my assistant pro that so I was like, "Dude, if people come in, just give them what they want, especially if it's golf clubs." <laughs>
1: exactly. I mean, I think, you, but I think that's the lesson for teachers: like, learn to fix and answer the question of what the student wants. Exactly. Right. Exactly.
2: Exactly. And,
1: and I think we sometimes, you know, teachers make this assumption that every person coming in front of them is going to want what we would want want as a golfer. And, you know, I mean, sometimes the player doesn't care if they score better. They just want to hit it harder, right? God, that
2: is such a good point.
1: You know, I'm a guy where, like, I start with every person, and I would just assume you want to get your handicap as low as you can and become the best player. But, like, I always talk to them because sometimes they don't care about that.
2: Man, that makes a great point. I remember years ago, I think I was sitting with – I forget who I was with – it was years ago, someone who had worked, who worked for golf digest. I wasn't even really associated with a magazine at that point. I hadn't been on any of their lists. And I said, well, what do people, you know, you guys do these surveys. What do people want, you know, in a golf lesson and what do they, what do they want in their game? He said, "By far and away, all they want to do is hit the ball more solid. They don't care what they shoot. They want to go out, hit the middle. They don't care if they. He said. He said they would rather hit it over every green and shoot 90 and thin it and shank it around and shoot 79 or 80. And when he told me that, that kind of got my wheels turned. Like these people just want to hit it more solid. Yeah. Even they just want to hit it.
1: It's more fun.
2: A hundred percent.
1: So I also think too, if you get them hitting it more solid, mm-hmm. which you obviously do, and they buy into that. Then you get the ability to coach them and teach them more how to score, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Then they're they're more open to the other stuff you need to teach them. Yeah. You know,
1: I mean, I agree. I think think part of what we do is get them to develop a trust with us that Mm -hmm. we can take them where they need to go. And I think also in this world, like you're part of it where there's all this stuff on social media. There's so much info. So I think you've got that's to get their how, that's not my <laughs> fault. Yeah, you I'm a blame in your ass for all this. <laughs> but like like you, but I think it's I think it's shortened the time period you've got to gain the students trust because they can go also look a bunch of stuff up on Instagram, find out if people are saying the exact opposite or what else could work.
2: Yeah, that has I think that has come to the forefront the last couple of years. You know, I think it's happened a lot with I I think it's happened a lot with our stuff. Like we'll put the data out there and it might not jive with what the teacher's saying. They might show one of our videos. So if that's happening to some of you guys, I apologize about that. But uh, So, you know, we just put the data out there and it is what it is, but But I think you're right.
1: It's good for the teacher though. I have players come to me with your videos, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then I've got to be able to explain either. Yep. That's, well, we're working towards, and oh, you know, and I've had one where, I'm like, you know what? I never thought of that drill, man. That's like that would actually be great for you. Or I've said like, here's why this wouldn't work for you.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: You exactly. got to be able to explain it.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the the thing about that is, is someone like you has confidence enough to stand there and tell them exactly what they need. If they're, you know, as a teacher, I, I remember telling this this to my sister. I was like, you have to own every single thing you say. Just just own it. Don't be wishy washy with them. Because the more you right. can do that, the more they're going to buy into it.
1: And I think when you teach tour players, that becomes even more important. And as I oh look back, oh my gosh, so true. as i back on as I've looked back on ones where the relationship ended or I messed up and didn't do as good a job. I think, you know, whatever, I think you get where you're not as confident, maybe because stuff isn't, you know, isn't working. And a lot of times I think sometimes stuff isn't working, not because of the information, but because of lots of other things going on around them and distractions and different things. But uh, as teachers, I think we always tend to look at if something's not working, it's our fault.
2: Exactly. Or they might be listening to somebody else and you don't know it. Or There's so many there's so many things that could be happening, but you're right. You know, especially around tour players, I mean, if they sense any doubt in your mind, that that relationship's going to go south.
1: And Agreed. it's happened, and it's happened think, to all of us. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like, they're always – the, the hardest part you combat is is the people around them, everybody chirping, right? And, everybody. And, and everybody thinks. I mean, agents think they know more about teaching husbands, wives. It doesn't matter. LPGA, PGA friends, everybody thinks they know more about it, and everybody's got an opinion as soon as somebody plays bad, and you're always battling that. I think that's the hardest part. In fact, also, I think it's important to stand your ground, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, you know?
2: Exactly right. You did the best you could do at that point. There's no doubt about it.
1: Sean, this has been a blast, man. We've got to catch up more often. I know, Normally, yeah. normally PGA shows when I get to sit down and drink beer with you. But uh, <laughs> so, look, COVID ruined my Sean Webb experience last year at the PGA show. <laughs> hey,
2: we got to do it this year. I think we're going to be all right in January.
1: Yeah, I hope, so. I hope so. I mean, the only reason I go to the PGA shows is for the cocktail parties. So, <laughs> I'm you <know>. into that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, hey, real quick, let everybody know how uh, we've talked about it a bunch, how to find you. I mean, great stuff out there. You've been a great friend. And you're a great teacher and, and uh, want people to know more about you. Uh,
2: I appreciate you too, Tony, for everything. Yeah, so you can find us at athleticmotiongolf.com. That's the website. You can book lessons on there. Check out our online memberships. But a lot of people find us through the YouTube and the Instagram channels. So those are just Athletic Motion Golf, both of them. You can find us, give us a follow or subscribe, and uh, you can kind of see what we're we're up to.
1: Awesome stuff, Sean. Take care, buddy. Enjoy some off time over the holiday up in Maine, and uh, I'll talk with you soon. Appreciate it, brother. See ya. All right, that's Sean Webb. We'll catch you next week on The Tour Coach. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him grab a lesson or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions.
0: As we go into year two of the tour coach, It wouldn't be possible without the support of all our sponsors. And I've had some great ones. And one of the things that I'm most proud of in my career and in my business is the fact that all of my relationships here and all these sponsorships have been long-time, long-withstanding relationships, haven't jumped from sponsor to sponsor and manufacturer to manufacturer. And I've always prided ourselves in special relationships and when people work together, support each other, And we've all put out great products for the benefits of everybody else. So I want to give a special thanks to these folks that have been with me for such a long time. And that would be the folks at Shrixon, Cleveland Golf, and Zexio. Couldn't ask for a better manufacturer to be aligned with. And not only do they put out great product and great support, but they're first-class people and they believe in what we're doing here on the Tour Coach and with the Dew Sweepers and also Vineyard Vines. Ian, Shep, TJ, and all the folks at Vineyard Vines – Hard to keep me looking good, but they do a fantastic job, and they're like family. They support everything on the Dew Sweepers, and we're so proud to be affiliated with and support the folks at Vineyard Vines. So if you're out there, you're listening to The Tour Coach, please support our sponsors, on Cleveland Golf Zexio, as well as Vineyard Vines, and keep listening and keep enjoying hanging out with us here on The Tour Coach.